Lone Star 187 is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Case File 13, The El Paso Desert Killer. Hey, everybody. Hey, hey, hey. So, welcome back. It's another week. It's another week. It's another episode. Number 13. Ooh, 13. This is pretty, this this one, I gotta tell you, this one was tough for me to do. We kind of, I kind of fell upon this one because my bestest, estest friend, Stephanie, told me about a case called the El Paso Strangler that I started researching, only to find out he was from El Paso, but he didn't actually commit any crimes in El Paso. But in the process of looking for that one, I found this one. And it is, the crimes happened in El Paso. Mm Mm-hmm. And you have some stats about El Paso? Uh, Yes, I do. So El Paso, which is very, very far west Texas, the population estimate in 2017 was 683,577. Wow. Holy cow. Huge. So before we, when we were researching earlier, I called her and we talked to her a little bit about El Paso because she lived there till she was 12 and she was born in 84. So she lived there during all this stuff. Yes. So she left in 96 and moved here. So she grew up there and she was telling me that they would have drive-by shootings. She actually lived in the northeast El Paso where these crimes happened and she said that they would have to sleep away from the windows because of drive-by shootings. Mm. That they were not allowed to go outside and play by themselves especially. They were indoors most of the time and the crime was really bad she said people would be shot for wearing the wrong color because there were a lot of gangs and so it was just not a very safe area which is one of the main reasons why her mom wanted to move her and her sister away from there so it's not a good not a good place in the 80s especially not for young women and even now i know when she said she's gone and visited there are certain areas they don't go and she was saying that in the late 80s even the pizza delivery guys did not deliver after dark oh wow really there was no pizza delivery after dark. Gotta order your shit early. Yeah. So are we calling him the desert killer or the El Paso that's what, desert killer? That's what on the Murderpedia uh, website, he's deemed the desert killer. The El Paso how asshole. About, how about the son bitch? <laughs> yes. That's what we should call him. That's what I call him anyway. El Paso I like asshole. I like it. <laughs> that's what we're going to call him. Let's go through our list of carnage that he left behind. So the first two victims that are found are found together. Mm-hmm. And... One is Maria Rosa Cassio. She was 24, and she was a waitress and topless dancer in El Paso. No, in Addison. She is actually from Addison, Texas. Mm -hmm. Oh, shit. And she was visiting El Paso on her way to visit her sister in Juarez, Mexico. Did you just say Juarez? Juarez. Juarez. It's Juarez. 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 Jesus Christ. (laughs) I was just going to go visit her Horace sister. <laughs> oh, Jesus, Lord, forgive me. And Maria Juarez. Was... I have to say that again? No, I can leave the Horace in there if you want. <laughs> I thought I said it right again. Okay. 
She was last seen at the Cabaret Club on Montana Avenue, which Steph said she didn't know where that was, but that the last time she was there, the Cabaret Club was no longer there. She was seen with a man that fit the description of our El Paso asshole. Mm -hmm. El Paso Paso asshole. And she was reported missing after her car was found abandoned around 5.30 a.m. in August of 87 in the middle of an East El Paso street. She was last seen around noon on August the 12th when she left her sister's house to go to El Paso to mail some letters and make a phone call. She was the only victim the ME had enough evidence to list cause of death as strangulation and she was found by a water utility employee. Mm-hmm. That's a shitty way to start your day. Can you imagine? No. I would be like, okay, I quit. Mm-hmm. No more. And then we have Karen Baker who was 20 years old and she was a mom of three children. She had a four-year-old son, a three-year-old daughter, and a one-year-old daughter. Mm-hmm. Good. And slow down. she had decided to turn her life around by enrolling in beauty college wanted to start a new life focus on her children she had been missing since june of 1987 when she disappeared from the hawaiian royale hotel seen with a man that fit the description of our paso asshole yes and another motel employee said that she told him that she was going on a date with this character so she left the motel in a truck with him and was not seen again then our third victim is desiree wheatley she's 15 Mm. she was 5'1 92 pounds she loved to collect plush toy animals and she was last seen at a convenience store getting into the truck with our el paso asshole this episode is gonna give me fucking nightmares isn't it And the sad, the sad part about her was she was found five miles from home. That's so the whole time happen. that she was missing, like her parents are looking and looking for her and she's five miles down the street. She was discovered by police dogs when they were examining the area and she was a student at Charles Junior High in El Paso and she was missing since June as well. And our fourth victim is Dawn Smith. She was 14. She went to Parkland High School. She was a dropout and she ran away from home in June and she was last heard from in August. Mm She was reported missing in September, six days after the first two bodies were found. Our fifth victim is Angelica Frosto. She was 17, and she dropped out of Henderson Middle School and enrolled in a program for students with behavioral problems. She worked as a dancer at the Red Flame Bar on Dyer Street. Holy shit, at 17? At 17. She'd been running away from home, I have, starting at the age of 12. So she wasn't home that much. And she was last seen with the El Paso asshole on his motorcycle. And she was discovered by police dogs and last seen in July of 87 and was reported missing on September the 6th. Relatives said they delayed reporting her missing because she often stayed away from home for days at a time. And the worst part is, is the Emmy confirmed she was buried alive. (gasps) Oh no, I didn't know that. Yeah, she was buried alive. Oh my God. Yeah, this one's going to give me nightmares. That son of a bitch. And our last victim is Ivy Susanna Williams. She was 23. She was born in Colorado and she was married to a Ray Fierro. She was a topless dancer that had history of prostitution and heroin addiction and she had been arrested for possession of heroin. She loved to ride motorcycles and loved men that had motorcycles. And a fellow employee saw her with the El Paso asshole the night she disappeared and she was stabbed in the face. Wasn't her cause of death, but one of her severe injuries was multiple stab wounds to the face. And I guess they must have gone through the bone for them yeah, to know they nicked that. Yeah, they nicked the they nicked her um, cheekbones. So, fortunately, these six girls, young women and girls, lost their lives in a very 
disgusting, awful way. Yeah. Let's talk about where they were found and how this all came about. So in El Paso on September 4th of 1987, the skeletal remains of two young women were found in separate shallow graves in the northeast El Paso desert. Homicide detectives said they had not identified the women or determined the cause of death. Well, we now know these are our first two. They said one had been dead longer than the other. The decomposed bodies were found in graves about two feet deep and 50 feet apart, uh, about half a mile east of a popular street, Macomb Street. It's it's all over this, so it must be one of the main streets close to the highway. Police Lieutenant Paul Saucedo of the Crimes Against Persons Division, which I'd never heard that. That's a new one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So from now on, I'm just going to call it CAP because I don't want to have to keep saying that and screwing that up, giving Russell material. This division said that they have no suspects and they're not making any assumptions, but that at this point, three young women have been reported missing from this area in the past three months. The mother of one of the young women that's missing said detectives told her that they are 95% sure one of the bodies is that of her adopted daughter, 20-year-old Karen Baker. Mm. Mary Baker said she's scheduled to meet with the detectives and the DA's office. Autopsies are scheduled to be performed. And, of course, they're going to call all the families who've reported daughters missing if they feel they might have similarities to the victim. Right. I can't imagine. This is, this is tough. Okay, so he described the first body as that of a 5'2 Caucasian woman in her mid-20s to 30s. The preliminary reports from the medical examiner's office say the body was in the desert probably between several weeks to three months. Ooh. Good old Texas summer heat. Not just that. This is the desert, so it's really unpredictable, right? I mean, well, isn't I mean, it hot in the day and cold at night? You in the, in the desert. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's usually a pretty big temperature swing, mm-hmm. like almost 20 degrees difference. Right. So it's 100 during the day, it'll drop down to 80. So the utilities guy calls the police officers. They go to the scene, and that's where they find the second body. So the first one was Karen Baker. The second one was... No, first the second thing. one was Karen Baker. Mm-hmm. First one was... Maria. Maria. So the second one was partially clothed. They would not describe the clothing that was found at the scene. And then the second body was 5'2 Caucasian woman, young lady, also in her 20s, that had been dead probably around the same length of time. Mary Baker said detectives contacted her about 7.30 on Friday asking for her daughter's dental records. Oh, can you imagine? Mm -mm. That's an awful phone call. She said they told her the woman who was partially clothed was wearing panties and that a pair of red pants and a denim jacket with Marlboro cigarettes in the pocket were found at the scene. Karen Baker was last seen wearing red stirrup pants, a denim jacket, and short white boots, according to the people who saw her last at the Hawaiian Royal Motel. Mary Baker said her daughter smoked marble cigarettes. Oh. Everything they said fit, she said, crying. They didn't say very much. So at this point, we've got a lot of other mothers that are calling in saying, well, my daughter's been missing, my daughter's missing, my daughter's missing, and hoping for, I mean, this isn't the news you want, but at least it's closure, right? The worst part from what I've read is the not knowing, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and where to go from there? Because, right. you know, if they're missing and you've searched the area, you put up missing persons posters you've contacted your local news you know you've done all this and you've looked for we looked for your child and there nothing happens you're you're not only searching for a possible body but in this situation well if they find one body it might lead them to something else you know the problem that's consistent with all of our victims and you've kind of touched on it whenever you were reading through is these are all young girls who weren't consistently home all the time. The problem with that is they were gone before the parents even really noticed, right? Most of them. 
five out of the six anyway, right? They would come and go, run away, come back, run away, come back. So it wasn't uncommon for them to go several days, if not weeks, without hearing from them. And it's like he picked... So he preyed on them mm-hmm. because because of that, he knew, well, I will get away with it most likely because they won't be looking for them right away. And he, I think he assumed that because some of them were prostitutes that people wouldn't go looking for them, even if they did go missing, because either they wouldn't know they were missing, like you said, mm-hmm. or they didn't have anyone to miss them. And that's yeah. true, though. Yeah. I mean, that's true, because what, sad. it was several weeks, a month mm-hmm. later before mm-hmm. they found the first two? Or even some of them waited a month before they even reported that their daughters were missing. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. So Scumbags. Never mind. <laughs> I mean, one of them, the 15-year-old, had been missing for four months before she was found. Right. Mm-hmm. Four you months know? of hell, I'm sure. Yeah. And some of them had been missing for longer than that, but they weren't reported until these other bodies were found, because like you said, they were hoping that they'd be able to find them. Oh, did you see two girls were found in the desert, and they're the same age as our daughter, and they're the same mm-hmm. age, and they do, they're in the same kind of interests as our daughter. Demographic. Demographic. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. like, yeah. they also frequent the cabaret club and, you know, I mean, unfortunately some of these girls, that's what they like to do or that's what they chose to do or didn't choose to do. It was just their profession and he preyed on that and I think he probably thought that it would be easy for him to lure them in because of the type of job they had if they were a topless dancer. And drugs and money. Or, yeah, mm-hmm. then or they were a prostitute that if he promised them money, then they would get in the car with him. He didn't have to really win him over with charm. What a sicko. So a couple days later, we find out who the two women are. They're Karen and Maria. And of course, at this point, the police are trying to find out, did these two girls know each other? I mean, they're similar in age, similar in background, but it's really hard to do that, right? So the family members identified the clothing and between that and dental records is how they figured out who they were. So Maria appeared to have died from asphyxiation because her jaw was broken in two places, according to the ME. Baker's listed cause of death was undetermined because her body was so badly decomposed. Detectives from the cab division are trying to find a link between the two. One of the detectives says that would be a hell of a coincidence to find two females around the same age in shallow graves within close proximity and the deaths not be related. He said detectives spent part of Saturday with police dogs searching the desert area for more bodies, but they found none. Mary Baker and several other mothers in the neighborhood near the shopping center staged a demonstration at the foot of a bridge to call attention to the plight of all these parents who have missing children. They held a demonstration. They protested? They were demonstrating to call attention to how many children are missing in this area. How many children? How many children? I mean, clearly the police aren't acting quick enough if some of these girls have been missing. Some some of these prostitutes. Aren't we supposed to say sex workers? Isn't that more? No, a hoe's a hoe. (laughs) But you're going to raise awareness to these people, right? But... Like, are they raising... Uh, it just... Not all of them were sex workers. Right. But they all seem to have in common that they didn't go home on a regular basis. Yeah, they like to party. They were latchkey kids, so right? to speak. Yeah. yeah. You can see that. Just a side note, I wanted to Google the Cabaret Club in El Paso. Oh, no. Oh, right? you get like 50 there? of them, right? No. It's still there? It's still there. And um, it was shut down because... Uh, recently? It was Yeah, it just reopened on the... Today, the 5th. It just, reopened. it just reopened because of all of the illegal activity and women that were assaulted in and around the cabaret club. So they're constantly being assaulted? Mm-hmm. Outside the cabaret club. And it's not very big. It's so in they're only center. safe inside? No, like, yeah, on their way in or on their way out when they're trying to go to their cars. Yeah, you wait for the, the hot stripper you liked... 
took them out. Mm. I mean, they're right next door up. to a Texas metal furniture and so none of that shit's open. El Paso open. Postal Express. The, the only people that are around at closing time or the people that were in there, like you said, all yeah. night. Mm-hmm. So a couple of weeks later, we have um, another missing girl. Her name is Maria Isabella Garcia, who lives with her parents, was last seen when she left home about 7 a.m. for school. Her dad is quoted as saying, I know they're going to find her dead. I've got a feeling. They received a phone call the week before from a man with a heavy voice who asked, how did you escape? And then hung up when he realized that he was talking to the girl's mom and not actually Isabel. Oh, how creepy. So the girl's father, Raymond, said his daughter left the house with only her books and the uniform she would wear at work after school. She left behind her glasses and the medicine she takes for her ulcers. Typically things she wouldn't leave home if she were going to be gone longer than a day, right? She works as a waitress at Song's Golden Walk. She hasn't shown up for work since she disappeared. So, of course, every time a daughter comes up missing with all this shit that's going on, they, they're worried that... I mean, how could you not? It's, it's, it's related. It's pretty easy. You stay on top of your fucking kids. You know, no, you I'm saying know. it's hard to not assume that it's something this bad if your child goes missing. When right. This is what's going on. Yeah, because you know? it's only been a couple of weeks since they found the first two bodies. And I mean, we already know that this girl isn't one of our victims because we've already gone through the victim list. But at any time, this just shows any time a young girl's missing, automatically the kid, the parents are like, oh shit, I'm going to get a call and they're going to want to know, Did, does your daughter wear this or does your daughter have that? And we need you to come in. And Was that girl ever found or is she still missing? I don't remember that I looked on this one. Okay. So a month later, we have another parent that's talking about her missing daughter. She finds herself rearranging her furniture in the middle of the night. She can't sleep because her youngest daughter is missing. She says, I can deal with her wanting to be somewhere else. What I can't deal with is the not knowing. Her 16th birthday was September the 2nd, which was four months after she disappeared. And her mother shares her not knowing fear with three other families in Northeast El Paso. Marjorie Knox, 14, disappeared in February. Melissa Elena's 13, disappeared in March. Cheryl Lynn Vasquez disappeared in June. And so Desiree has now been switched to from being a runaway to missing. So I guess initially all these all these girls were deemed runaways. We won't do anything. So finally, after a certain amount of time, which I don't know what that amount of time is, they switch it to missing. Mm-hmm. So since the discovery of the bodies earlier in the month, the cases have been transferred from police to the Youth Services Division, the CAP. They investigate specifically suspicious deaths and disappearances. Well, and I don't understand how when they're that young, I mean, Desiree's only 15 mm-hmm. when she went missing. Mm-hmm. So I know they say like when people go missing or they disappear when they're a certain age, every so many cases I've listened to in different podcasts and stuff, they say, well, a person adult can go missing if they want to. Mm-hmm. A person can disappear if they want to, if they're an adult. If she's 15, how could she ever be classified as just a runaway? Like if she's 15, happens all the time. she's missing. Well, but I don't know if this is one of them, but remember some of the girls habitually ran away in their younger age. I don't remember if Desiree was one of them. But I don't think they should ever classify a minor as as a runaway but because what they're, if that's they're, actually what they did though i know but they're missing they're they're it's it's dangerous for regardless them to be of missing. what it is they right should, because they should of their be age, classified should as missing when they're 19 and they decide to run away they're an adult at that point they've decided that they don't want to be there anymore they can go live somewhere else I they have the means saying. and the adulthood to go do that a 15 year old unless they're just extremely intelligent or have a really shitty home life yeah if yeah. they have a shitty home life you grow up pretty fast if your home's fucked up that's true i just don't think you may i think be under 18 physically but mentally you may be an adult already because of the shit you've had to deal with emotionally but I 
agree. I mean, yeah, I think you should if you're be that missing. young. And then once you turn 18, then you can just be considered a runaway. You ran away at 16 and you were missing for two years. We're just going to deem you as a runaway now. So the similarities in these cases are only that they lived in the Northeast and that they're young. Desiree's mother is, says she has a feeling they're related, but like the police, there's no evidence of that so far, except for where they're found. It has to be the same person if they're buried in the same exact spot. That close. And, I mean, it, and yeah. the same type of person. But these first two people, they couldn't find a way that they were connected or that they may have known each other, right? Yeah. They're just two random girls. Right. The Texas are the Texas. I like that. The Texas are detectives are trying to sort out what's rumor and what's fact. So some of these parents got together earlier in September to discuss all the similarities in the cases. And they discovered three things that caught their attention. Rockwell International, Chaparral, and the Charles Junior High School. So James Knox, which is one of the, his daughters missing. And then Desiree's mom work at Rockwell International. Melissa's mother, Alicia, worked there until she was laid off in August. Desiree and Marjorie apparently know each other from riding the same school bus when the Wheatleys lived in Chaparral until two years ago. As I'm reading this, I'm thinking, well, of course they're going to have these things in common because they all live in the same area. Right. So I feel like the parents are reaching just because they're they're desperate and they're they're I guess they're just maybe finding some kind of they want to find some commonality. The, to or see. maybe they're also you're looking for it's reasons. helping it's helping them sort through what they're going through. It's therapeutic. That's what I'm looking for. Well, and I think ultimately it's to find out if they can find a commonality, then maybe they can find what commonality who and who in common with that. You know, because if they figure out okay well they all ate at this specific burger place okay well was yeah. there a waiter there or was there an owner there and now we can stake that place out and see if there's some skeevy asshole hanging exactly about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah that's true I mean, I get it. Yeah. I would rather be in the room of people that was going through the same thing I right. am. That's what I'm saying. It seemed like it It turned out to be more of a counseling session for them because they're talking about what their daughters did. While they're looking for a common thread, they're working through their shit at the mm-hmm. same time. So Desiree's mom's really upset because evidently Sauceda, who was one of the detectives, was quoted as saying earlier in the month that all of the missing girls had a history of running away from home. She said, Desiree doesn't have a history of running away and I don't need to be sitting here defending her rep. I felt that all police were trying to do was mar the reputations of all these girls so people will say, well, they got what they deserved. Ooh, dang. That pissed me off when well, I read that. She was wearing a tight skirt. She was asking for it. Yeah. Son well, bitches. Regardless of what their occupation was or their track record, it doesn't deem them any less Or even if their of, parents didn't expect missed. them home every night. That doesn't mean you get to do whatever the hell you want to do with them. Or that what happens to them gets deserved because they weren't home. Yeah, it's justified. Yeah, no. Uh, two of the other parents also said their daughters never ran away from home. Desiree had a permission from her grandmother that night to break her normal 8.30 p.m. curfew, agreeing to return home by 10. The grandmother said, I knew right away that something was wrong because she never missed a curfew. Since Desiree became missing, Desiree's mom and her younger sister, who were living with the grandmother, moved out and got their own apartment. I guess it was just too much for them. Mm-hmm. So they got her stuff and they got their stuff and, of course, Desiree's stuff and moved it. They made Made her room all set up like it was set up at the grandmother's house. So hopefully when she comes home, everything is just like she left it. I started crying when I read that the first time. I don't know. I would. I wouldn't. Be I thought about me. that too. I was like, I don't know if I could move, but I don't know. I don't know if I could stay there either. I don't know what I would do. I don't want to have to think about it because if I, I this having daughters, this is a really shitty mm-hmm. story. Oh, yeah, I mean, it happened to my dad though. He he was kind of like 
his dad was a drunk, his mom, nobody cared. Like, they didn't give a fuck. And he went to camp one time, just out of random chance, and he got back, they moved, they were gone. What? Yeah, yeah. A couple towns over, too. Like, they were gone. And he was that like, what the would, fuck's going on here? I would be so devastated. <laughs> he re- he, the feelings were mutual, so he didn't give a shit about them either, but, yep, they Oh, but like horrible. imagine like I wouldn't be able to leave because I would fear like what if she comes home and I'm not here like I'm her mother and I'm not here I could never leave well that's yeah. you yeah, you're a good yeah. person yeah thanks know. honey yeah Desiree's mom said that Desiree did not like living in El Paso and that just before she disappeared the family discussed the possibility of her moving in with other relatives so she didn't understand why Desiree would leave when she knew there were other places she could go if she hated it so badly there and she she said the other thing that made her think she didn't leave willingly is that she left with only one set of clothes and her mom said she liked her clothes she changed them every five minutes it used to drive my mother crazy and also she was convinced that her daughter wouldn't be gone that long without calling she's just too much of a family girl they said so so october 22nd 1987 two more skeletal remains are found in the desert of this damn godforsaken northeast el paso desert so at this point they're thinking that a serial killer may be roaming the area. The bodies at this point weren't identified and of course they weren't really sure of the other girls that are still missing if these two are any of them, right? But they're going to do the same thing they did before. They're going to find out about any clothing and compare dental records to figure out who they are. So the discoveries mean that this body counts up to four and four bodies in six weeks. God, you imagine and the bodies are found within a mile radius of the desert east of this macombs highway it's which is 18 miles northeast of downtown that's not very far huh yeah and clearly that's part of the modus operandi absolutely so. the police had a press conference and of course the media is asking if they believe the deaths are connected no comment when asked if a serial killer might be roaming the area possibility exists but there's no need for undue alarm or panic be concerned, yes, but don't panic. Oh, well, aren't fuck. They, the terror aren't they level are, is yellow today. Aren't they already panicking? I mean, oh, I think it's stupid to say don't panic when, clearly. anyway. Clearly, you, you, you should yeah. be panicking. Yes. <laughs> Uh, and then when they were asked about any suspects, refused to comment. And they, well, they did say that they didn't have anybody in custody. Discovery of the bodies, for some reason, was announced 30 hours after the last body was discovered for reasons we cannot discuss. Police went into the area at 7 a.m. on Tuesday. Officers walked through the creosote bushes. Now, when I hear creosote, I think of that tar. stuff, tar, yeah, that tar. you cover telephone poles mm-hmm. and stuff with. But is that, this is a different type, obviously. I didn't Google it, but creosote bushes i guess it's something in the desert obviously yeah it's yeah i I would say that it's going to be some kind of like a a sagebrush or something like that yeah they were poking into the sandy ground as dogs sniffed for the smell of human death Mm. at 7 30 a.m the first grave was found the second one discovered two hours later remnants of clothing were on the bodies the graves were within a half of mile where police found karen and maria it was an investigation of those deaths that led police to these bodies. Deputy Massey said there had been other searches in the area since the first two bodies were found, but none as extensive as this one. The investigation is continuing, and of course they're going to continue to search the area. Some families of the missing women have already been called to help, and autopsies on the bodies were done Wednesday, but still have no positive identification. Cause of death and length of time the bodies had been in the desert is undetermined. A secretary... (laughs) A what? A secretary. Secretary. That's exactly what. 
Oh my god, I'm so hick. I never knew that until never knew I was that on until you started listening to your goddamn voice, right? <laughs> I'm gonna go with it. A secretary at the Emmy's office would say only that the Emmy had not finished his examination. There were no bullet wounds to the bodies. Of course, declined to comment whether their hands were tied or if there were any objects tied around their necks. Um, and also, he wasn't going to describe any any of the objects that were found in or near the graves. We're not prepared to give a lot of details, the Emmy said. So now people are starting to panic, obviously, even though the police said not to, wouldn't you? Oh, my yeah. kid would be like by my side 24 seven, pee with the door open. Right. You're going to school. I, you know what? Hell, screw school. You're not even going to school. Homeschool right here. We're in this house nonstop. So people start changing their routines, taking measures to protect themselves. People are scared. Nobody's walking outside, like Stephanie said. People are apprehensive about being out at night alone and are even afraid to walk across a parking lot. People are forbidding their daughters to go out, which is pissing them off because they don't want to be treated like babies. Yeah. Even though they should be scared. They're teenagers and they're stupid and they just want to live their life, you know. And others are arming themselves with handguns. Police are just urging people to call if they see anything suspicious. So they're still looking for a common thread. They're seeking the help of a forensic odontologist, which is teeth. Die. Right. So I don't know why they're just now seeking that because they've used dental records to compare and that's how they've identified the first two. So maybe these are... This must be a new thing at this point, maybe. Or... In this... Maybe some of the others are more deteriorated. Oh, I bet that's so what it is. Yep, that makes and sense. Why can't it be just a fucking forensic dentist? Right. That's what I'm going to start calling. So the forensic dentist <laughs> came in. Odontology <laughs> is the study of teeth. The forensic dentist came in. He's going to help the ME identify the bodies. In the meantime, investigators are sifting through scores of old missing persons report. Because it could be that they have bodies of people who have never been reported missing. I mean, can you imagine that? How how that must feel so overwhelming? I can't imagine. It's a town of 600,000 people. Yep. You got one dead body. And if they were never reported missing or how are you going to find out who they are? That's what we call Shit's Creek. Yep, for sure. So it's good that they've identified the first two. I mean, I know that sucks, but at least that girl's family know knows where she is. They've got closure. There'll be a funeral. They can move on as best they can, right? In a later article, I had read that they felt that this person, that the guy that did possibly did this... <laughs> Um, <laughs> he's a he's a El Paso asso. That he most likely had a lot more victims because the cabaret club had a lot of women that worked there under fake names. So if they had gone missing, right? Yeah, what's your name? It's Angie. Candy. And so, She's Beth. <laughs> and like the own, I guess the owner of the cabaret club said that they they would have two or three new girls a week, and sometimes they'd show up again, sometimes they wouldn't. And he just said. This is the life for them or it's not the life for them. Some women come and stay years. Some make a couple thousand dollars and then we don't see them again. Yeah. And whenever we submit our taxes, we come back multiple times with fake names. So there could have been women that he picked up at the cabaret club or he saw leaving the cabaret club and he got rid of and no one... They're still in the desert somewhere. Any kind of missing persons that may have been reported wasn't their real name or they may have been from another state. Or I was they about to say have... they, wouldn't, they might not be from the town. So yeah. they may have been reported missing in maybe New Mexico or maybe South Texas or Austin or Dallas, but that's where they ended up. And now her name is, you know, Marcy and her real name is Jessica and she's missing. So it's not like the mid to, you know, it's the mid to late eighties. It's not like they can go on the interweb and be like, Hey, here's here's some dental records. No, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Here's the slides for the dental records. We'll send it. (laughs) So that's, that that puts like, puts like a whole new level of scary. 
Absolutely. You know, because now there could be people out there that are missing that we don't know they're missing, but their family know they're missing and they have no idea that they went from one side of Texas to the other and ended up working in a cabaret club and went missing. It's nightmarish. Okay, so families of some of the four missing teenagers have looked at personal effects taken from the bodies but haven't been able to make a positive ID. So imagine these families, every single time they find a body, they get a phone call, they have to go up there, and so it's like they're reliving it every time because some of these families that we've just said actually did get their daughter back, but some of the other ones still haven't. Mm Mm-hmm. And they keep having to see these bodies. And they keep having to see these bodies and see these parents actually be able to bury their daughter. And these these families are going through this every single time. Can you imagine how you would feel if you walk in and like... I think I'd be a little resentful like, son of a bitch. You get the call and you go up there and you think, oh my God, how many people have come to see my child before I did? And not know that it wasn't theirs, that it was mine, you know? Yeah, I didn't think about that. I don't know. I think at that point I wouldn't give a shit about nothing other than let's go make sure this is what it is. Yeah. Well, according to 2018 psychologists, the worst thing that can happen to an adult is losing an adult child. Mm-hmm. Starting age 15. And well, you, that's because you have a connection with them. They've well, got their own little personalities and They're their own and person. Yeah. And they have a how life ahead that, of them. How is that worse than losing a child from zero to 15 years? Well, I think because what they're saying is, uh, well, statistically. The time, saying, to me, the time, I mean, obviously the, it would be worse. The time that it takes to get past it and the amount of suicides and divorces is higher when the child's over 15. And I think that's because, like, now they have their own life. Like, it's one thing, and you have them longer. They're longer in your life. Like, it's one thing, obviously, to have a child and you lose a child, and that's devastating. If they're two years old, obviously, that's awful. They're innocent. You lost them. You had them for two years. In 10 years, it's not going to be near as hard. But when you have them for 30 years or you have them for 20 years and they have a wife or a husband and they have children, it's like a constant reminder as you live the rest of your life that your child is gone. And they led footprints into the world that are now gone. I think the impression is just as strong whether they're 2, 10, 30, or 40. For me. Yeah, I'm just just saying Obviously, it's a statistic and so it varies, but... No, losing a child is losing a child, regardless if they're, even if you're pregnant and you lose a child versus them being 30, it's still awful. And uh, the more I thought about it, I was like, I can see how that could be Mm -hmm. not harder in the sense, like one person's pain is not harder than another person's pain. How people recover from it, it seems to get be harder when a child is over 15. So we're at the end of October and Marsha Wheatley gets the news that she feared the absolute most. Her 15-year-old daughter Desiree was dead. So she's the third body that they found. They don't know how long she had been buried uh, in a patch of El Paso desert overgrown with the creosote littered with trash, which that's got to suck. The lieutenant would not comment on whether they had a suspect, but again said no one was in custody. They identified Desiree again by using dental records, and this time the parents of the other missing girl said they had not been contacted by police, which means they kind of knew who she was already, so they didn't call the other ones and say, hey, come in. They knew already. By late Friday, the news of her death was all over her high school. One of her friends, Karen Anders, 14 years old, was sitting on a bench outside crying. She was crying in the arms of one of her friends and said, I had an argument with her the night before she disappeared and I never got to make up with her. Mm, That's so sad. The friend tells her, she's forgiven you. Don't let that be on your conscience. So the principal at the school is telling students to be very careful. You know, use the buddy system. Don't go alone. And Marcia said she, along with the dental records, identified her daughter's 
clothing, a shirt and a bra for police. She said the police believed they were pretty sure that they belonged to her daughter, but she said she had a feeling she just knew when they found the third one that it was probably her daughter. I can't. Three days later, we have an El Paso man who has been charged in connection with an alleged rape that occurred three months ago in the desert east of Macomb, so in the same area. Police refused to confirm or deny that this man, David Wood, 30, is being investigated in connection with these deaths. Um, We have not charged anyone in the four deaths, the lieutenant said, and we cannot comment whether we have a suspect in mind or whether a suspect is in custody, even though we just arrested him. Come on. Woods was booked into El Paso County Jail at 2.38 a.m. on Saturday and charged with aggravated assault, aggravated kidnapping, in connection with the two cases. He was held under bonds totaling $500,000. Warrants ordering his arrest were signed late Friday by Judge John McKellips. Police spotted a truck they believed was used in the sexual assault and the kidnapping close to the, the desert. David Wood was in the truck with his father, Leo. They found a 45 caliber semi-automatic pistol loaded with six rounds. They arrested his dad on a charge of unlawfully carrying a weapon. He posted bond $500 and he was released. But David was still in jail on the aggravated sexual assault in an attack that occurred between July and August but wasn't reported until mid-September. On that day, a North East El Paso woman went to the CAP division and reported that she had been raped almost two months earlier. In the report, one of the detectives wrote, no evidence in this case. Yeah. So this woman flagged down a police officer. She told him she'd been kidnapped the day before and escaped by jumping from her abductor's moving pickup. So they were trying to get a warrant on this aggravated sexual assault charge. So they're saying he picked up this woman on the pretext of giving her a ride somewhere. Didn't say where she was picked up, but it does say that she was driven to the desert where her clothing was torn off. She was tied up and raped. It says that she tried to fight him off and she was told, in quotes, She would not live to walk if she continued to resist. A motorist who was not identified gave the woman a ride back to her home. She said the kidnapper had tattoos on his arm, one of which depicted a dagger that appeared to go into the skin, then come out again. Um, So she identified him directly by his tattoos and the pickup from photos. So he's arrested for that. A few days later, they set up a memorial fund for Desiree Wheatley. Her mom said the fund will help pay for funeral expenses and wages she's lost from being away from her job. That made me sad. Okay, but guess what? The second body was identified as Dawn. So for some reason, it took them a really long time. I guess they didn't have a lot of stuff on her. She's the one they didn't even have a picture of, right? No, I think I got a picture of her. Did you? I didn't have a picture. Okay, so they identified Dawn. She phoned her family several times since running away. The family last heard from her in late August, about the same time she was last seen by her friends. Her mother reported her missing on September 10th. And, of course, they immediately began to investigate. Of course, they're saying again, they're talking to the students of the high school, don't be paranoid. (laughs) Shit. Be paranoid, children. I don't want them to be paranoid. I don't want them to be scared. I want them to be aware. We can't have a generation of kids who are scared of their own shadow. Too late. Yeah. He said Dawn lived at the Casa Mobile trailer park a few blocks from the school and had been dropped from this year's enrollment because she had not been attending class. Neighbors at the trailer park said they never really knew her. Family members declined any comment. And the high school has no photographs of her because she had been absent on photo day. 
So I didn't have, I couldn't find any pictures. I think I found one. Okay, good. Late October. When David Wood started laughing for no apparent reason during an interview with a psychiatrist in May of 1980, he was asked, why are you laughing? His answer, I don't know, man. And it makes me mad. I get mad very quickly. He said he often became suddenly angry without provocation, often when he was by himself. And sometimes without provocation, he would start crying. Um, He was charged with rape and rape of a child involving a 19-year-old and a 13-year-old. That was back in 1980. Mm -hmm. He pleaded guilty to both of those charges and was sentenced to 20 years imprisonment on each to be served concurrently. He was paroled from the Texas State Prison in January. While he was there, he was evaluated by a psychiatrist. I'm not even going to try to say this guy's name. We're just going to call him Salvador. He wrote that uh, Wood began getting into fights shortly after being released from prison. After threatening someone with a gun, the evaluation described Wood as a poor student. He said he failed the first and third grades. He dropped out of Parkland High School in his freshman year. He had a long history of fighting and skipping school and had been suspended both in elementary and high school jesus he told the psychiatrist he did not like school because he was not good at learning the subjects i don't learn good but that but that he thought his best subjects were english and reading he tried to join the armed forces but failed the test he worked at odd jobs after dropping out of school but was unable to stay at one job for very long you gotta be fucking dumb if the army's like no we don't need you how hard are those tests like i don't know uh basic math and basic english i think I mean, not a whole lot. I mean, compared to today's standards with health issues and things like that, it's a little different. But back then, they were they accepted 10 kinds of prisoners. Oh, that's true, because I, I forget this was back in the late 80s. 80s. So some of the other things that were in the psych report were that um, he stated, Wood stated that he started heterosexual activities at the age of 12, and he feels that he is very successful with girls. That's um, why he has to rape them. Yeah, right. Whether they want it or not, they're, he's and very they're successful. And 13, and he has to rape them. Wow, he's so successful. He has a history of alcohol as well as marijuana use since early adolescence. He is capable of remembering only two objects after five minutes and of repeating only four digits forward and three digits in reverse. Um, In a report two weeks later, a different psychiatrist from Texas Tech wrote that test shows that Wood's full-scale IQ was 64 and his potential maximum IQ was 80, which is at the high end of the range of mild mental retardation. Yep. I was about to say, he's just a hair bit retarded. Mm -hmm. This is the first time they're talking about his mental health. I mean, he should have never been let go. He should have stayed in jail. Yeah. Or a mental facility, something. Somebody that has mental issues that's also strong as an ox is a problem. I mean, we learned that of mice and men, so. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now we are into early November. Dogs led police to the skeletal remains of a fifth person. Again, in a shallow grave in northeast El Paso, not far from where the other bodies were found. They don't know the identity or the sex. At this point, they couldn't tell the sex, which is this is the first time they've done that. Obviously, they're going to do an autopsy. The police dogs found the body between 7 and 8 a.m. on Tuesday. The remains were not removed from the site until the afternoon. The police are going to continue to search for more bodies. The police wouldn't say why they think more bodies might be buried in the desert. I guess because, I mean, they've already found four. I mean, five now so as of october 28th there were 45 people in el paso listed as either missing or runaway Mm. at least three of them are young women from northeast el paso families of all of three said they talked with homicide detectives on tuesday 
and decline further comment. I really just can't make a comment right now. I'm waiting like everyone else, which was, uh, that's Alicia Elena's, I think her daughter's name is Melissa. Police have refused to either confirm or deny whether a man being held without bond in El Paso County Jail is a suspect. We are working very, very slowly in the search and that includes the grave itself. It's being done inch by inch. Because as I was typing this up, I was like, why is it taking them so long? The bodies are so close together. Why is it taking them so long to find each one? But if they're going inch by inch, that explains it. I guess they don't want to miss anything, whether it's evidence from young girls themselves or their actual bodies, mm -hmm. right? They don't want to, and they're probably trying to do it carefully so they don't disturb too much, right? Mm -hmm. Like uh, when you're doing, what is that, archaeology. So FBI Special Agent Gary Webb said his agency is working on a psychological profile of the killer or killers. The Emmy said decomposition in the desert depends on the temperature of the grave, whether it was under shade, the soil content, the weight of the body, and whether the body was buried naked or in clothing. I, I didn't think about all those variables, but that's crazy. Either. Well, and um, also how deep he was going, because they were shallow. Yeah. Which, I mean, the desert, it's hot and it's dry. So I'm sure it was not easy to dig that grave. Probably not. And think about all the animals that, you know, coyotes and whatever. He probably buried them just enough so they wouldn't be messed with. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, about a quarter mile from the grave police had another area marked off with yellow tape. The ground was marked with a grid traced in the dirt. Police will not pinpoint the location of the five graves, but say they are within a mile of each other. The discovery Tuesday came one day after Desiree Wheatley's funeral. Mm -hmm. Uniformed officers are guarding the desert area around the clock. A little after 7.30 p.m. Tuesday, four men in a beige Dodge pickup drove around police barricade and through the search area. Police chased the pickup but could not catch it. Why would you do that? Stupid assholes. So the next day, the Emmy confirms that that fifth body was actually that of a woman because initially they couldn't tell. They have not identified her or determined how she died and they're still processing the scene from the grave she was found in but they, they know now that she's a female. So a couple days later, a police lineup included our suspect in an alleged rape of a woman in the Northeast desert of El Paso. Roy E. Cohn III, a lawyer representing David Wood, said the lineup apparently occurred Thursday morning, but he did not know its purpose. I heard about it after the fact, and I'm quite upset about it. Wood demanded an attorney before the lineup, but they refused. The lieutenant of the sheriff's department said results of physical lineups make for stronger evidence and court cases than do the results of just a photo lineup. Physical lineups are conducted at the jail once or twice a month. At least five prisoners resemble a suspect or place with the suspect behind a two-way mirror. They all wear the same color of clothing and the witness or victim is asked if one of the people is the same person who committed the particular crime. So they're trying to downplay it. Like, look, this happens all the time. It's not a big deal. Don't be pissed off. But the attorney said the lineup may have been a violation of Wood's rights and said they hadn't made a determination on how they were going to proceed. So that's kind of a slick... It is. I was they impressed. Could, I was like... they could think that he's the suspect, but say, no, you're not a suspect. You resemble the suspect. We're just using you. When right. really, he's a suspect. Yeah. That's pretty genius. I thought that too. I was like, look at you being so smart. Yeah. Now we're at November 7th. This is a Saturday. So the trainer of a dog from the Texas prison system says he does not believe there are any more bodies in the Northeast Desert area. It's a pretty bold statement, considering, aren't they still processing it? Wasn't there a grid? Didn't they have yellow and tape? Where, where is he from? Works for the Texas prison. He's is the he trainer of the dog. Is he conducting a search right now? Well, exactly. 
I, like, I unless really you sure. have your boots on that ground and you're walking mm-hmm. it, you really don't have any right to have an opinion about that case and what's going on. He sure did say it. It says that his dog has been searching over the last week. The dog's name is Jake. He's a yellow Labrador retriever who was trained by Sergeant Billy Smith. It only took him 35 minutes to find the shallow grave that contained the fifth female. So still back to my original question a few minutes ago, why is it taking them so long? I know they're doing it very methodically by the grid, but if it took the dog 35 minutes to find one of them, why is this dragging out so long? You know, Mm -hmm. I just feel like it's taking too long. This trainer says they feel comfortable with the areas that they've searched. He wasn't sure how much of the search area, which police have been guarding since the discovery that he and the two-year-old dog had covered. Uh, But they left. He and the dog left and returned to Rochere in Texas where they live. But the police will continue to search the area probably using dogs assigned to the police department. So they're just going to use different dogs now. So it was a police German Shepherd that found the first two bodies, but this Jake found the fifth. So, so now they know who the body, the identity of the fifth body is. We're in mid November at this point, but they're not ready to say yet. They're not releasing the name until they make absolutely positive that this is who it is. It's they're having trouble with the dental records or lack thereof. He said family members made tentative identification last week, but they wouldn't announce it because they have an idea who it is, but they're not ready to say. I'm sure it's probably family identified by clothing again. The next day it is Angelica Jeanette Frosto. So she's the fifth female and she was last seen alive July 3rd, but wasn't reported missing until September, two days after the first two bodies were found. So I think what happened is the parents were like, oh, they're fine. They find these first two bodies. And I think Brittany said this earlier. And then all of a sudden, oh shit, what? We, we need to go ahead and report them. Red so I'm sure they had amazing. a giant, massive uh, influx of parents reporting their daughters missing. So with the assistance of dental records, they were able to find out who, that it was Angelica. She was one of the girls that didn't come home a lot. They said she'd come home to shower and change. Uh, usually the family would hear from her from time to time, but this time they didn't. Her family made tentative identification when they went to check the clothes. They identified a pair of white shorts, I Love New York t-shirt, and a pair of white tennis shoes that belonged to Angelica. The teenager did not attend school and did not work. The uncle said she came and she left. She came and she left. She'd stay around a couple of days and just split and do the same thing over again. He went on to say friends claimed they had seen her at a bar behind Dyer Street uh, that they used to hang out around, but he didn't know the name of the bar or the exact day she had been spotted. So clearly he hadn't really been keeping up with her, you know. He said she was adopted and her adoptive grandmother's name is Hope Frosto. Her uncle said he didn't know the girl's father's name. So this poor girl, they're like not even really looking for her. Right. Um, November 18th, they decide to expand the search and they're going to start including Chaparral, New Mexico in the search. I don't know exactly why yet, but that's what they're deciding to do. Supposedly, the sheriff's department is saying that they're waiting for a winter freeze to come in because when winter freeze comes in, the fumes of decomposing bodies exhume faster than when it's hot. I never heard of that, but I know. Isn't that gross? I would say it's because the ground hardens. So pushes it out. Push. Oh, that so makes sense. That's 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 a I know. guess, though. Oh. That's a guess. I, I want to know how they know that. Years and years. You, well, you've seen the body farms. I was going to say, it. remember the body? They have a body farm in Texas. Didn't you see that on Jack oh, and Ozzy's Ozzy. World? Yeah, yeah, I want to really want to go there. That's disgusting. You're disgusting. There's something wrong with you. It's probably. I don't know that I could unsmell a decomposing body. 
I've already smelled the this. The smell of burnt hair makes me want to throw up. The smell of a decomposing body. Well, I guess if you've How never... have you smelt it? Well, like, we've had patients that have wounds where their flesh is rotting. It's and the necro- same thing. Necro- yeah. not, not, I can't say it. Necrotic. Necrosis. Necrosis. Necrotic tissue. Necrotic. Oh, my God. That's so disgusting. And it smells the same. Mm-mm. You smell the dead animal? That's what it smells like. Yeah, I have sm- I've smelled the dead animal. Do you know that brains smell differently, though? Decaying brains? Yeah. No. Sweet. It's a sweetly, sickly smell. It's different. Like a sweet bread? Okay, it's like a sweet brain. <laughs> Some fava beans? Fucking <laughs> These officers, the way they talk, it's so, such bullshit. I think if I worked in the news media at this time, I would just be punching people left and right because this is what he says. The detective says, we did expand the search area to some degree, but I can't say how much. That whole area out there is a potential search area. He said, see those people out there? They're not necessarily searching. Then what are they doing out there? Yes, they're searching. Right? Come on. I got so frustrated reading. I was like, I don't, I couldn't deal with it. So then it kind of leads more credence to why these parents were out on that bridge. Like, come on, we need some exposure. We need people to be involved. Ask questions. Where are your kids? Check the children, you know? Okay, so November 25th, 1987, a search warrant was issued last week giving police permission to take hair, blood, semen, and saliva samples from wood. (laughs) Saliva. 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 (laughs) One of these samples, because of that investigation into the rape that occurred two weeks after his January parole, see if he'd have been in jail, this shit wouldn't have happened. Of course, he hasn't been charged with anything, but he remains in jail without bail. Early December, they finally indict him on the sexual assault that allegedly occurred in the desert. He was also indicted on two counts of aggravated kidnapping stemming from an alleged September 19th abduction. And so now, mid-December, they're going to say, these, I don't know. I shouldn't say El Paso police officers are stupid, but sorry, Saxon. They frustrate us. me. They decide to say that this square mile patch of northeast El Paso desert probably doesn't have any more bodies buried in it. No formal decisions have been made to stop the search at this time. But we're thinking about doing that. But the investigation itself will continue on full scale. It's one of our top priorities. I'm not really sure I buy that. Nope, I don't either. Nope, I think they've given up. But guess what happens on March 15th, 1988? They find another body. Mm-hmm. A sixth body was found in the same area, in the same patch of desert where they said no other bodies were going to be. The mother of one of the three young women who still remain missing said that the police called her after months of silence and all they ask her is if her daughter wore braces that's all they said and she said her daughter doesn't wear braces so evidently a couple that were scavenging for tin cans at about 12 30 p.m on monday came across what they believed to be a grave but upon closer inspection they found bones the detective said he would not release the couple's names the body was a few hundred yards mm-hmm. southeast of where the other five bodies were found Clearly, they're thorough. Yes, and they're grid, and I think that was bullshit. Yeah. I don't believe that at all. I believed it when I read I it the think, first time, but I don't believe I don't think they it. wanted to find any more bodies. I don't think they did. Because the more bodies means the more panic the city goes into, and the more time that they have to put into finding out what happened, and processing, and identifying, and all of that. All that fucking paperwork. And I think they just were like, let's just... They were done. Let's just not do anything right now. Let's just find out who did it, and then if we find some more... At least we can pin it on someone, but... I mean, being a cop and being a part of that is the most human institution there is. I mean, that's it. You, Your business runs on human 
interaction, mm-hmm. human everything. Yes. So humans get tired. You know, it, Lazy, it's the end of the complacent. day. You stop giving a shit. It's the end of the day. You want to go yeah. home. You have five more minutes before the bell rings. Right. You don't want to be. You don't want another body. Yeah. I don't want to search that area today. Yeah. So we'll just say that there's nothing there. Right. And people and won't come go to find out, out there. Four months later. There is a body there. Just a few hundred yards away. Just some scavengers Um, just ruined your day. (laughs) Yep. So, of course, police missed the body during the four months of searching the 10 square mile area with trained dogs. And evidently, they were also using a heat sensing plane on loan from U.S. Customs Service. Because of the microbes and germs that are in your body, the the decomposition process, they move. Oh, yeah, so it's that makes sense. nothing but the movement of them eating and moving around that creates oh. heat friction, and so yeah, it like will a be compost exactly. exactly. Even if hot too, even if all that's left is bones, your bones have so much metal and calcium and iron and all mm-hmm. of that in them. It would show some warmness, especially on the bigger bones like your femur and your hips, yeah. and especially in a, a right. time of year that's colder. Too. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Although most of the bodies were found by dogs and except for this one that was found by the couple. So I don't think it really, unless the plane was telling the dogs where to go look mm-hmm. or telling the master to tell the dog where to go look, right? pointing them in the right direction. Case File 13, The El Paso Desert Killer, to be continued.